2: Heads
1: down we'll gather here on to sing this all the way.
3: Yeah. Welcome to Ask the lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife Beth. Hello. No. Okay, now welcome to our Veterans Day weekend show. Let's first put in perspective, what is Veterans Day? A lot of people confuse Veterans Day with Memorial Day. Veterans Day is there to honor the veteran, the men and women who served in our military, especially during time of war, and to give them thanks. That's the idea behind Veterans Day. Memorial Day is to honor the fallen dead, those men and women who died in World War II, World War I, Korea, Vietnam, Modern wars, Civil War, it was started after the Civil War when we had so many fallen soldiers. And, you know, now the numbers are up to almost (laughs) seven or eight hundred thousand men that may have died in the Civil War. So Memorial Day was established to remember them. Veterans Day is to remember, to honor the living veterans. Ordinarily, the show is about elder law and estate planning, at least the first part of the show. But we're not really going to be talking too much about estate planning and elder law tonight. We're going to be talking, you know, a little bit about veterans. We're going to be talking to Tony LoBianco. He's going to read his poem about a fallen soldier. We're going to be talking to two remarkable veterans, in my mind. You know, we've spent a lot of time on the show talking about World War II veterans. I think we've probably had about 15 World War II veterans on the show over the years. Uh, And unfortunately... I mean, it's the nature of the beast. But unfortunately, we've lost a lot of those gentlemen over the years. You know, the average age of a World War II veteran right now is probably in, in his 90s. So obviously, there's, you know, we've we've lost a lot of good people like Ray Hughes, Morris Kravitz, Howie Dunn, you know, over, over the years. And Let's it's talk. kind of making me sad even to talk about it. But, you know, it's part of a history that we lost. But tonight, we're going to be talking to uh, a Vietnam War veteran, Jose Fernandez and his friend Tom Carnes. And they have truly remarkable story, one of the most r- remarkable wartime stories I've ever heard. And at the end of the show, we're going to be talking to them. Meanwhile, if you want to learn something about estate planning and elder law, we're going to have seminars coming up in November. On November 27th, we're going to be in Queens, Maspeth, Queens, at Connolly's Corner. On November 27th, at 11, 3, and 7. On Wednesday, November 29th, we're going to be in Bayside, Queens, at 11 and 3. At the Adria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard. We're also going to Queens again on Thursday, November 30th, in Howard Beach at Lenny's Bar at 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. There's no charge for admission, but we'd appreciate it if you give us a call in advance so we know how to set up the room properly. And every once in a while, depending on some of the smaller venues, we may get sold out or whatever. So we'd like to know it and do the best we can to fit everybody in. So if you if you want to uh, reserve a seat at one of the seminars, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Now, you know, Beth, sometimes I do these seminars all the time and I get used to them or whatever, but what do you think that that somebody out there can learn the most from our seminars.
4: Um you did you do a very good overview of estate planning in general. Much of it may not apply to the people if you're sitting there and you're listening to it, it may not apply specifically to you, but you still learn from it. And the audience members ask questions sometimes, you know, that you wouldn't think about. So it's um it's interactive. I think that's why it's it's so very interesting because you've got uh, you know if it's the first time you've gone there it can be a little overwhelming because you do cover so much but um as you see other people ask their questions about their specific um needs it it's very interesting you don't feel like you're alone you feel like well everybody else is is needs help too so it's encouraging
3: Speaking of veterans, though, we are going to be talking first to Jennifer Hammonds about our book about veterans benefits. And there are a lot of benefits out there from veterans, and they really don't even know what they are. So this is a nice, concise book that can you look up the different programs that might be available to help veterans. Then we're going to be talking to Tony Lobianco. You know, he's gotten awards, Emmy-winning awards for his Eulogy of the Fallen Soldier and then we're going to be talking to Tom Carnes and Jose Fernandez about their experiences in Vietnam. And it's really one of the most remarkable stories they ever heard. Now, again, as as we mentioned before, we are going to be doing seminars in Queens the end of November. You might say, well, I don't w- live in Queens. What can we do? Well, we usually take a break from doing seminars during the winter months. So we will be resuming those seminars beginning of the spring March, the end of March, maybe beginning of April, and we'll go all around the city. But if you have a church group or another group and you would like to hear our seminars, you can give us a call. We'll go to any church, you know, in New York City we don't charge for it. We just go however long you want us to speak. Sometimes we're an addendum to somebody else's speech, and we talk for 20 minutes. Sometimes people want to learn everything about estate planning they can in one day, and we speak for an hour, hour and a half. That's up to you and your schedule, but we're more than happy to do it, more than happy to help any church group that's looking for our help. So if you want to schedule something for your churches, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Ask for Donna, and we'll schedule that. seminar for you. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We will be right back with Jennifer Hammond.
5: Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to obtain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. And even if they did, such activity is immoral end does not justify the means adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia sickle cell disease anemia and carcinoma embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing this is father frank lavone national
3: director of priests for life i have children how can i protect them if something happens will my
6: assets be lost if i go into a nursing home We have property how it affect the ones still here who will help us take
7: care of grandma
1: Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike.
3: Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Veterans today, and of course sometimes veterans in the past, they, they have problems. They have to realize they're not alone, and we're going to be talking about that next. We have on Jennifer Hannon. And she wrote a book, 101 Resources for Veterans. How are you doing today, Jennifer?
7: I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Okay, so what's your book? I mean, it's it's 101 plus resources for veterans, the ultimate resource guide. So what does a veteran get out of this?
7: As you know, I have a radio show on SiriusXM, and I've been in real estate 20 years, and I was just absolutely shocked by how many veterans are homeless and every time I would look at that I realized well they just need more resources because there's so many reasons for the homelessness it's not just one specific thing so what I started doing was just compiling resources that would help them whether they want to be you know that the resources have been put into different categories so maybe it's that they want to be an entrepreneur and so they want to understand how to do that so we have a whole category entrepreneurship, then maybe it's about education and they want to be able to advance themselves in one way or another. So it might be education or the transition out of the military into different education. Or unfortunately, sometimes it's wellness. And they're really interested in different wellness programs that will help them get through, you know, so many times we called it shell shock. Now we're calling it post-traumatic stress, all those different things. And the wellness categories might be. And so there's tons of resources in here from nonprofits to government programs. And it took me a long time. It took me over a year to compile this. And I'm working with a Hero Foundation, which is a nonprofit that was just very interested in also continuing this on their website so that we're always putting more resources for veterans up there. And again, my goal in this is to end homelessness for veterans. We shouldn't have so many veterans homeless.
3: What do you think is the major reason that there's so many homeless veterans?
7: Well, I think it is complicated, the reasons, but what I found a lot of times was when they transitioned out of the military, before that, there were so many things like their job. You know, they weren't really sure how to translate the skills that they had in the military into the civilian world. So sometimes it's like almost like you need a translator for language, you need a translator for these jobs, translate into these civilian jobs. So you might need that. But a lot of times, It's just really a little bit of education in whatever their field and their passion is. And so, unfortunately, it could be a variety of different things, but once one or two things. Like right now, I recently was talking with Congressman um, Maxine Waters, and in her district in California, she has the homeless situation is getting worse and worse. And mostly it's single women that are veterans that have a child, and they're on the streets. And I started asking, well, what's the single reason that you you see that happening? And they said it's because of not being able to get their VA medical benefits, And so they're on the street until they can get their medical benefits, and then they'll be able to have a job and get a home and everything along those lines. So it's different, I think, depending on who it is.
3: I'm kind of missing the logic there because they don't have medical benefits, they can't get a home?
7: Yeah, because they can't hold down a job. And if you can't have a job, then you can't pay a mortgage. So they've had some kind of um, medical issue that's preventing them from being able to go to work.
3: Okay, so in other words, you're saying they have a medical condition where they need treatment for it before they can go to work. Yes, yes. What do you find in this book? What, what is, a veteran gets this book. What can he find in there?
7: So what we did is we broke it up into the different categories. So they might find anything from um, different organizations that might help. For instance, if you want to become an entrepreneur, there's also in here some of the government resources that are available. Like, for instance, the USDA has a program for veterans that want to learn to become a farmer. And then also there's a program that will actually lend you um, that veteran that has now been trained to become a farmer. They lend them the money to purchase a farm. So, And then also other programs that are either government-based like the Veterans Home Mortgage or different things like the um, the HUD-VASH program. VASH is V-A-S-H, which is a HUD program that helps veterans with a choice voucher for rental assistance if they're homeless and they need to get into a rental program. So there's all sorts of resources in here. Anything from, um, you know, like one of the cool things that they have in here also is, for instance, if your family would like to... Um, uh, be flown to where a veteran is, maybe at a hospital. There are different resources in there, including people who have their private planes that they're willing to actually lend out to family members so that they can fly in and see the veteran in a military hospital. So lots and lots of resources.
3: Okay, now who should get this book, and how do we get it?
7: You can go to Amazon.com, and all you have to do is type in 101 Resources for Veterans. It's already up right now. And, um, and yeah, I think it's, it's a wonderful way for veterans to have different resources, and maybe resources they never thought about before, like having um, an assistant dog for them.
3: How do they get an assistant dog?
7: Like, for instance, there is a National Education for Assistant Dog Services. There are several nonprofits that will help them go through that training and or go through the process to get an assistant dog if they would like one.
3: I mean, it's my experience, the World War II veterans knew all the benefits that were out there. Why do you think veterans returning home today don't know all the benefits and services they're entitled to?
7: You know, I I don't know. I find what I've done when I've interviewed people, they've told me that when they're getting out, that it's just overwhelming the process of of the transition from the military into civilian life. And so they never really got a, a true path of all of the resources that were available for them. And that's why there's so many nonprofits that have, when I interviewed different people that created different nonprofits, it's because they saw a need and because they saw that so many people were not getting whatever the resources of that specific nonprofit.
3: Okay. So the name of the book, 101 Plus Resources for Veterans, The Ultimate Resource Guide, Jennifer Hammond. Where do you you get the book again? Repeat that for us, please.
7: Amazon.com. You can go to Amazon.com and you just type in 101 Resources for Veterans.
3: Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on our show. Good luck for you in helping our veterans.
7: Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day.
8: We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Or our Ask the Lawyer friends
1: and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills,
6: and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Monday, November
1: 27th at Connolly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue in Maspeth, Queens at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. at the Atria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard on Wednesday, November 29th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. On Thursday, November 30th, at Lenny's Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m.
6: Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment.
1: Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com.
6: Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors and Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com.
1: Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later.
3: Welcome back to the Veterans Day broadcast of Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello. Okay, so we're in the Veterans Day weekend, and again, we should remember our veterans, and I think one of the the people who does that the best in the entertainment world is our friend Tony Lobianco, who not that long ago received an award from the Soldiers, Sailors, Marines, Coast Guard, and Airmen's Ball at the uh, Pierre Hotel. Part of what he does each time he's honored, he he reads Common Soldier, and I think that's very appropriate for this Veterans Day weekend, because remember, the idea behind Veterans Day is to honor the veterans, and you know, sometimes you got to remember, if they pass away, maybe it's too late, and I think Tony does a very good job of epitomizing what Veterans Day is all about.
4: We were we were fortunate. Mike and I were fortunate enough to be at the Pierre when he received his award, and it, it, there was a young soldier at our at our table, and you know you could see he was he he was almost in tears. It it I think next to the empty table, um, ceremony when you go to these dinners, I think Tony really makes you remember who the people are and um, how we should honor them. You know, hug a soldier. Um, Do say thank you for your service, because so often they're looked down upon or forgotten.
3: And we should also mention that it's a little bit early, but Tony LoBianco is going to be honored by the American Legion in Brooklyn, Kings County on April 15th, and he's going to receive the Humanitarian Award in recognition of all the work he does for veterans their family's first responders. So here again, Tony LoBianco, Common Soldier. Tony, earlier you talked about the Christmas truce in World War I, and you have another piece, which Emmy Award-winning piece about a common soldier. You want to grace us with that reading?
9: Well, thank you very much. Um, this is a poem written by A. Lawrence Vaincourt. It is inscribed in the, uh, West, at West Point, by the way. It's something that's very, very touching to me. I feel very strongly about it because it talks about our veterans. And, uh, you know, I've done 100 films and countless plays. and But this five minutes is really really something I really, really care about. And uh, it's apparently a lot of other people do because it has reached, in this coming Memorial Day, <clears throat> it'll be two years that it's out, And it has reached 20,200,000 views, which I'm really shocked about and and amazed and, and grateful for. So here it goes. It's called Just a Common Soldier. He was getting old and paunchy, and his hair was falling fast. And he sat around the legion telling stories of the past. Of a war that he had fought in. And the deeds that he had done. And his exploits with his buddies. They were heroes, every one. And though, you know, sometimes to his neighbors, his tales became a joke. All his legion buddies listened. For they knew whereof he spoke. But we'll hear his tales no longer. For old Bill has passed away. And the world's a little poorer. For a soldier died today. He will not be mourned by many. Just his children and his wife. For he lived an ordinary and uh, quite uneventful life. And you know, he held a job and he raised a family... Quietly going his own way, and the world won't note his passing, though a soldier died today. When politicians leave this earth, oh, their bodies lie in state, while thousands note their passing and proclaim that they were great. Papers tell their whole life stories from the time that they were young. But the passing of a soldier goes unnoticed and unsung. Is the greatest contribution to the welfare of our land a guy who breaks his promise and cons his fellow man? Or the ordinary fellow? who in times of war and strife goes off to serve his country and offers up his life. A politician's stipend and the style in which he lives are sometimes disproportionate to the service that he gives. While the ordinary soldier who offered up his all is paid off with a medal, and perhaps a pension, small. Oh, it's so easy to forget them, for it was so long ago that the old bills of our country went to battle. But we know it was not the politicians, with their compromises and ploys who won for us the freedom that our country now enjoys. Now, should you find yourself in danger with your enemies at hand? Would you want a politician with his ever-shifting stand? Or would you prefer a soldier who has sworn to defend his home, his kin, and country, and would fight until the end? Yes, he was just a common soldier, and his ranks are growing thin. But his presence should remind us we may need his like again. For when countries are in conflict, then we find the soldier's part is to clean up all the troubles that the politicians start. And if we cannot, do him honor. while well, he's here to hear the praise. Then at least let's give him homage at the ending of his days. Perhaps just a simple headline in a paper that would say, Our country is in mourning for a soldier died today. You can find that on justacommonsoldier.com. dot com,
3: just a dot com. Very good. And if somebody wanted to see it on the the internet, how would they access it?
9: That's it. Just A soldier.com. dot, com. Just a a soldier dot com. Just, just, Excuse me. Just I'm so. Know okay. okay.
6: that, and that was bringing me to
3: tears. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we're losing so many. You know, Catholic war veterans. We're losing so many World War II veterans right now.
9: Well you know you know I, we when I first made this video, we were to reach twenty one million because that 's how many veterans there were at that time, and that 's less than two years ago. Now there are about nineteen, and we are at twenty million two hundred thousand so we 've surpassed the number of veterans that are but we 'll get to that twenty one million soon with your help.
6: God Thank bless you. you, God bless you.
10: Whenever I sit down with a homeowner, the number one question asked is always, which reverse mortgage option is best for me and my family? I personally will help you decide which reverse mortgage program is best for you. My job is to help active retirees find the best solution for their retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward, objective information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now.
1: 718 That's 718 238 And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors.
3: Welcome back. To the Ask the Lawyer uh, Veterans Day Weekend broadcast, our next interview is really one of the most remarkable stories I heard throughout my radio life, and basically, it's you know from the Catholic War Veterans, Jose Hernandez, who was left for dead in a battlefield in Vietnam, and it's a truly remarkable story about how his friend saved his life and how they reunited forty years later. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Tonight, we have, a, a, you know, what I would say is a truly inspirational story. And with me right now is a friend of mine from the Catholic War veterans. His name is Jose. Jose, I want to go back in time and history. Where were you in February 1966?
11: Well, I was in Vietnam. I was with the 1st Cavalry Division. Uh, we were stationed at NK, and from there, we were, we went on a mission called White Wing Master and it took place at Sai. And um, uh, we met the enemy. We engaged him. Um, artillery from friendly fire was called in. And hopefully he was their position, by it landed on ours. And I was injured, uh, basically.
3: You know, what happened? I mean, you were in combat that day. Tell us what you can remember.
11: Well, we were uh, walking down the hill. And uh, we got uh, basically swallowed up by by the uh, um, you know the trees and uh, things were no longer that visible. We were right in the middle of the jungle. Uh, a, a lot of shooting came in was coming at us. Everybody hit the ground. We started to fire back, and uh, we, we, within moments, you know, three of our guys were wounded. Uh, Lieutenant. Baker, Sergeant Fitzgerald, and and a fellow named Martin from Louisiana. And I could hear Martin yelling, my leg, my leg, you know, that kind of stuff. And a lot of shooting. And I was looking at the trees to see if I could see uh, uh, somebody, uh, you know, where the fire was coming from, and I couldn't make anything out. So I looked over to my right, and I saw an anthill. And I said to Lane, Lane, there's a land hill. We got cover. We got cover. So he said, go, go, go. I ran over there and I found a recruit who was a a replacement for people we had lost a couple of months before. So we needed, you know, reinforcements. And uh, so that's what he was there for. And uh, when I ran, I I yelled at him to move because the machine gun has superiority. And... um, uh, there was no place to put our machine gun down, uh, so he 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 was like paralyzed. He couldn't move, kind of like in shock. So I had to kick him off the mount. And I waited for Lane. Lane came over and put his machine gun down, and then we got uh, the orders from Sergeant Fitzgerald to continue firing, and we did. And uh, that's basically all I remember. The next thing I know, I was I opened my eyes at a, a, a clock hospital at Clark Air Force Hospital in the Philippine Islands, and I was basically blinded up You know, I could barely make out anything. I, I, I didn't know who I was or where I was or what was going on around me. I just, I felt like I was a six-month-year-old baby. And um, in time, I began to uh, uh, recognize that, you know, there were people clothing me and feeding me and Bathing me and things like that, and um, I started calling. I started doctors, what I perceived to be doctors at a distance, and there were people dressed in white. So I used to call mom, like, ma, ma, and there was no response. So uh, I, I I don't know how long I was in that state, but. Eventually, a nurse came over to me, and she asked me if I knew where I was, and I told her I didn't know, and she said, do you know what happened to you, and I said, I didn't know, and and I asked her, if she, did the enemy do this to me, and she said, I'm afraid so, and I, I broke down, you know, I because I, uh, my, my dreams were to come home and marry a young lady that I was, you know, going to be engaged to, and and I knew that, you know, my life was going to be changed forever. So, you know, you get caught up in the emotion.
3: Tom, let me ask you something. This is Tom Carnes. And where do you live right now, Tom? I live in Monroe, Ohio. Monroe, Ohio. About
2: 30, yeah, it's about 30 miles north of Cincinnati.
3: Okay. Well, Jose doesn't know exactly what happened to him. Can you fill in our listeners?
2: Sure. Uh we landed on uh, on a hilltop in uh song in Vietnam and uh it was uh February the twenty second and uh, uh it as it turned out the hilltop that we landed on was a uh, a North Vietnamese regimental headquarters. Uh our mission was to set up a, an ambush. We were going from hilltop to hilltop down the saddle and uh there was another company, A Company, that was coming in from another direction and Theoretically, they were going to push the enemy toward us, and uh, we landed on the hilltop, no fire at all. And then we started down the sadder, saddle, and um, we we received real intense fire, and a lot of uh, uh, we we took wounded, and so we grabbed the wounded and moved back up the uh, moved back up the hill, and um, we called in um, artillery and called in an airstrike. The uh, artillery started firing, and and um, then when the air force got there, um, they started making their uh, their bombing runs, and uh, they canceled or put a hold on the artillery strike while they were in the area, and they continued their their uh, their uh, uh, bombardment, uh, strafing, and uh, napalm. And as soon as they left the area. Uh, uh, we went charging back down um, the hill and um, when the Air Force cleared they called the artillery back and told the artillery that they had cleared the area and the artillery could resume their fire mission so the artillery resumed their fire mission and when um, when they um, when they when they started firing um, we were in the impact area and um, uh six rounds landed in the middle of our platoon. I believe they were one five five artillery shells and uh six of them landed in in our uh in, in our immediate vicinity uh, before our our um, officers could get the the shooting stopped and uh we took uh we took quite a few casualties and uh, uh everybody went you know when the when the artillery started up, everybody went back started going back up the hill. I was among them, and then I saw Sergeant Turner, who was our platoon sergeant, was holding up a, uh, uh, a rear guard, and so I pulled in just behind Sergeant Turner, and um, uh, we made a visual contact with each other. We knew who each other were, and um, we were kind of a rear guard uh, while everybody well. Uh, there was major chaos, and, and uh, we were just kind of looking out to to try to get sense of what was going on, and I started looking around, and there was a a, a person to my immediate rear who was obviously dead. Um, he was a brand new person; he'd only been in the in the platoon a couple of days. I didn't even know his name, and um, and I looked over to my left, and uh, I saw a uh, a body uh, laying at the, at the foot of a, a giant termite mound. And um I, I hollered over to Sergeant Turner that I saw somebody on the ground and I was going over there and he said, Yeah, go ahead. So I went over there and when I got over there it was Jose laying face down. And um his helmet was off and the back of his head was gone. I could see his brains and um I thought he was dead. And um then I you know, I noticed that um but he that he was still bleeding and um, you know, dead people don't bleed. So um I uh, put my uh, my uh, hand around his throat, and I felt a real, real small pulse. So um, I started screaming for medic and screaming for help and put a um, a uh, bandage on uh, Jose's head, and um, help got down there. We rolled him into a, into a poncho, and there was a little bit of a conversation. It was just an infantryman. Uh, what the medic hadn't gotten to us. He was up on the hill tending to the people that were already wounded so it was uh it was a um, uh, fellow infantrymen that were taking care of jose and um uh, one of the guys was concerned he had a broken neck i didn't think he had one and and uh we we put him in the poncho and then there was a little bit of talk about w- whether to put him face down or face up and you know i said well we got to put him face up because we put him face down he's going to suffocate so we put him in um in the uh, poncho and there was uh, four of us one on each corner of the poncho and we started carrying him back up the hill and when we got up the uh, when we got up the hill um uh, some some other guys came running down and relieved us and i turned around and went back down uh where sergeant turner was and um you know the the other people took took jose the to, the uh, uh, medic uh, was one of the people that came running up and and made a comment that uh, we had done a good job. And um, then Jose was evacuated. And then later on that uh, that night, Sergeant Turner came to me and he said that uh, Jose was um, uh, was uh, uh, his chance of survival was ten percent, and if he did survive, he'd probably be a vegetable. So um, I kind of wrote jose off i still had six months to go in vietnam and you know I, I saw the wound and and i honestly in my mind couldn't couldn't even imagine somebody surviving what i saw so uh uh that was that was basically the battle that was basically uh what happened as far as jose went on i mean next that night we we stayed on the hill and artillery we called in artillery all night and the next day we went we went back down in there, and it was a massive bunker system. There were bunkers all over the place. There were bodies all over the place. Um, it was uh, it was really it was really huge, and we just walked into a, uh, a beehive. I mean, it was just you know it was just a lot of a lot of enemy uh, forts. And during the night, when the artillery was going off, they slipped out, and um, what and what we what we found was the bodies that. Um, they weren't able to drag away so
3: now let me ask you something when did you find out that jose survived
2: it was about 10 years ago and um i i, I got to thinking about uh jose and um I, uh, I actually i dreamed about jose every night um i i had the nightmare of finding him on the battlefield and um you know, it was it, it was pretty horrific nightmare. I mean, uh, the the dream was was full color. It was uh, smell, taste. I mean, it was just like reliving the actual moment, the the actual time. I mean, it was you know so graphic, so real. It would wake me up every night. And uh, uh, one night, uh, it was about ten years ago. I, uh, I I wanted to find Jose's name on the on the on the wall. So uh, I went to the Vietnam Memorial and and uh Jose wasn't there. So then I I knew Jose was from Brooklyn and I went to the Brooklyn throne book. Well that's a dead that end right there. There are many, many Jose Hernandez <laughs> in Brooklyn. Right. I mean I mean, I'm like, wow, you know. So uh it was about three years ago, um uh, that a friend that was a mutual friend of ours, Dick Randall, um found me and um and I asked Dick had he uh any information about uh, Jose and he said that he had thought that he had saw Jose at a first cavalry union in two thousand and he thought Jose was blind. And so he um he said he would he he he, he thought that the the chaplain, Chaplain Lord had Jose's number, and he'd get a hold of Chaplain Lord and come get back to me. So uh, that's what he did. And The next day, I got an email from Dick with Jose's phone number, and I called Jose. And um, uh, uh, when I first called, I got the answering machine, uh, Jose's answering machine. And uh, about a half an hour later, Jose called me back, and he said, uh, "Jose's first words to me was, is this the Carnes that used to say let's went all the time?'" And I said, "Yes, it is." And we we had a pretty emotional conversation then. And uh, anyway, the the outcome of that conversation was Jose had never he, he had he didn't realize exactly what happened to him. And I was able to fill in the blanks for him, and um that he asked me if I could write everything down and and send it to him so he could read it and let it you know let it soak in and and all that kind of stuff, so I sat that night I spent the whole night, and I just wrote everything that I just told you and um emailed it to jose and um uh then uh
3: now Jose, you want to say something um, yeah yeah please. Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
11: t- Tom, uh, February twenty second was the day that you called me, and uh, and I reminded you about that 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 was our anniversary, and I remember you yeah. saying, "This this is too emotional. This is." It was, it yeah. Was yeah. Emotional. Yeah. That was a God thing. That was a God thing. Um, the day that uh, I
2: called Jose was uh, February twenty second, two thousand and twelve and it was forty six years to the day that uh Jose got wounded. And uh yeah, I had no idea. I mean I knew I knew on was in the five in the um uh, uh February time frame, but all these years later I did not I c I didn't I didn't remember the dates or anything like that. It it turned out it was the actual day that that he got wounded and it you know, it kinda of blew both of us away. And then uh, uh the following April um, uh, over Easter break, um, uh, my wife and uh, my granddaughter drove to uh, to New York, and we spent we spent um, four days with um, with Jose and Zareda, his wife Zareda. And then um, the the uh, following summer, uh, in July, Jose called and he said, uh, "Tom, I'm going to Puerto Rico with my wife and my sister." He said, they're going to be talking and carrying on, and I won't have much to do. I said, Jose, are you asking me to come to Puerto Rico? And he said, yeah. So the wife and I went to Puerto Rico and spent a week with Jose and and, uh, Zareda and and his sister in in, uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, then that August, they came to our house. And then last last, uh, July, um, uh, we went on a cruise to um, uh, Alaska together. And uh, you know it's 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 been it's uh, part of the thing it, it, that that happened is is there was a complete healing, I kind of think for both of us in in regard of when uh, when I was able to fill in the blanks for Jose and it was a huge relief for him to, to actually know what happened to him, and since I've heard since the day I heard Jose's voice the first time. I never had that
3: dream again. I'll tell you, I thank both of you guys for your service. Thank you for sharing your stories with our listeners here. And, you know, our prayers are for both of you the rest of your life. You guys deserve, both of you deserve some good things happening to you for the rest of your life, and thank you for your service, and thank you for telling us the story. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Again, that's one of the most remarkable stories I've heard from any veteran. And and again, Jose is a member of the Catholic War Veterans, and I'm proud to be a member of the Catholic War Veterans, because there were truly some remarkable men. A lot of them have passed on right now who are members of the Catholic War veterans, and they've done an awful lot for our country. Now, I'm not very good at our media public relations, so to speak. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Chris Cordani, because, you know, we got got a couple of things out there which I really don't understand. One is Facebook, one is YouTube, one is our new email question. So Chris, can you give us a quick... Can you give us a quick rundown, Chris?
5: You can follow uh, your show, Mike, on Facebook and Twitter and, of course, our website, AskMikeTheLawyer.com. If you missed some of the shows, check that out because you can hear all the uh, the past programs from AM 970, The Answer, and AM 570, The Mission. If you missed uh, Michael's interviews uh, with major figures, some of the great ballplayers, actors, and, uh, of course, uh, newsmakers and historians, by the way.
3: Ed Bars. Yes, Which, Ed by Bars. the way, if, if you plug in—this one thing I did find out. You plug in Ed Bars. And you go to images of Ed Bars, there's a picture of me from Ask the Lawyer there. So I don't know how that happened, but you know, that's where it is there.
5: Well, we know how it happened because it's on your social media too. It's on your website, askmikethelawyer.com. It's also on your Facebook page, all over the place. You have pictures with Ed there. Uh, you can also catch Mike Connors on Twitter.
3: Okay, we are going to have Ed Bars this this winter, twice at least. We're going to be talking about the Battle of New Orleans and one of the most controversial figures of the Civil War, Nathan Bedford Forrest. So that's enough for history right now. How does somebody email us right now, Chris?
5: If you have a question you want to ask Mike and you just can't get to the phone or it's a show we're taping and you really want to ask, email him directly at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Once again, one word. Ask Mike Connors at gmail.com. You can also... Buy- Chris, you're great. <laughs> well, <laughs> my voice is a little off today, but uh, I can say if, if you want to skip to some of the best interviews that Mike Connors had, check out our YouTube channel as well, Ask the Lawyer Connors Corner
3: Conversations. And of course, one of my favorite ones is talking some of the old ball players. The historians and the old ball players are some of my favorite interviews there. You know, again, like Ron Hunt and Bobby Brown and Orlando that's Cepeda, that's- Roger Craig... They've got some interesting stories to tell. So, you know, I don't contribute very much. I just ask a question and let them talk. But if you want to hear some of those interviews, going back to the 1950s, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the New York Giants. In fact, we got Eddie on once who was one of the only new york giant new york met players besides willie mays that ever played for both teams
5: two of my favorite interviews from you were the ones with roger craig and orlando cepeda you got to talk to them about the fight they had in what was it 63 (laughs)
3: 1962 i was listening to that game on the radio back then lindsey nelson was announcing it on the radio i don't know why i remember that but i do it's it's one of those (laughs) things you remember And, and okay at facebook we got about a minute left i guess Facebook. Why should they like us on Facebook and how do they do it?
5: You just go to the Facebook page, ask the lawyer with Mike Connors. There's a little section that says like. If you already liked it, it'll say liked. But if you didn't like it yet, it'll say like. Click that on. You can follow the post, you can check things out. Find out who's going to be on the next show, who's going to be on the future shows, who was on. You can uh, get links to our YouTube channel there and make it a lot easier. And of course, find out when your seminars are.
3: Okay, and I guess this is radio, and sometimes if you want to see how our guests look today, especially sometimes we have some old movie stars or whatever, if you want to get an idea of how they look today, you know, get on that Facebook page and we'll have a picture of them.
5: And don't forget the Connors & Sullivan website is connorsandsullivan.com. You can also find some of Mike's cool pictures there with his past guests and some of the things he's done around in the community, but also learn about estate planning and, uh, and probate, and uh, also find out how to get to one of his seminars that are coming up. We have a sign-up sheet right there. It's easy to get to, easy to reserve your place at any of the following or upcoming seminars.
3: And again, if you have a church organization or a union or any kind of civil, civic group, you want us to speak there and do a seminar. Just give me a couple of months' notice. We'll get it done, and you can give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer this weekend. We'll be back next week. Till then.
4: Bye-bye. We are gathered here on Hallowed Ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on
1: Hallowed Ground to sing this song away. We, are gathered, we are gathered here on Hallowed Ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on Hallowed Ground to sing this song away. Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners. You can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more.
6: Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars.
1: On Monday, November 27th at Connelly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue in Maspeth, Queens at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. at the Atria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard on Wednesday, November 29th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. On Thursday, November 30th at 161-03 Clam Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m.
6: Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment.
1: Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com.
6: Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors and Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to sullivan.com
1: Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. The preceding pre recorded program, paid for by Connors and Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, PLLC